Hi, I'm Ross Porter, and welcome to Stranded, CDs for a Desert Island. Hands down, my favorite CD of all time would have to be Live at the Village Vanguard by Bill Evans. Well, for sure, Giant Steps by John Coltrane. Joni Mitchell. One would have to be the essential Billy Holiday. Duke Ellington. Kind of Blue. Sticky Fingers. Beatles. The Who. Todd Rundgren. Keith Jarrett. Oscar Peters. Dave Brubeck. Songs in the Key of Life. If you were marooned on a remote island with no prospect of returning home, which CDs would you want to have to help pass the time? For most music fans, it's a difficult question. But what if you're a musician? Hmm, the prospects could be even more challenging. This edition of Stranded that you're about to hear is based on an interview that took place in 1998. There's little doubt that he's one of the leading saxophonists in jazz today his recordings have placed in the top 10 of numerous music magazines. Joe's at the point in his career where he can pretty much do what he wants. In the last five or six years, he's done everything from standards to free jazz. You'll hear from him in a few minutes, but first, this is a track from his CD, Celebrating Sinatra. Here's Joe Lovano and One For My Baby. from his CD, Celebrating Sinatra. That was Joe Lovano. Now, my conversation with Joe took place in the summer during the Montreal Jazz Festival, just an hour before he performed his Sinatra tribute at the Spectrum. Joe explained one of his biggest musical influences was his father, Tony, Big T. He was a barber by day and a musician by night. My dad played saxophone and uh, grew up in the bebop era and played in jam sessions with Gene Ammons and John Coltrane when they would come through Cleveland, Ohio, uh, and was always working in the major clubs around town that brought in touring groups. So when I was a teenager, I had a chance to see and listen to Rahsaan Roland Kirk and uh, James Moody, Sonny Stitt, Dizzy Gillespie, uh, Gene Ammons and had a chance to meet those cats when I was 15 and 16 years old, you know, and hear their tone in the room uh, after knowing their sound on records, you know. Uh, so I was really involved with uh, But did you get it back music. then? Did you know these guys were special? Oh, for sure, because my dad's record collection was so great, and he let me just explore it, you know. And uh, I was trying to play and learn some of the songs I was hearing them play. You know, when I hear my dad practice around the house, I would, uh, I would try to play what he was playing, and and realizing the depth and the expressive music that jazz was, at an early age because I was trying to do it. You know, um, so I, I grew up listening to um, to Sinatra as well as uh, Miles Davis and John Coltrane, and Charlie Parker, and Dizzy Gillespie, and um, all my dad's records. And he had a, he had a lot of different things too. So the the Sinatra tribute that you did was this an acknowledgement of the past, or was it? Well, know? it was definitely uh, my roots as far as the songs that we played were some of the first tunes that I learned how to play when I was a kid. That I heard my dad play, and I heard others play on record. Les Young, or Ben Webster, 
or Sinatra. They were doing all the same tunes, you know, uh, from that certain period. And, and some of those songs taught me how to play the saxophone. Tunes like The Song Is You, or I'm a Fool to Want You, uh, Someone to Watch Over Me, you know, the melodies and the, the, the chord progressions and the different forms that were involved in some of those tunes uh, really w were the basis of my playing from the beginning, you know. So to do this recording now, I feel like I really grew into a, a place where I could be expressive, uh, deeply expressive on this music. And that was the whole essence of doing this recording, was to also to add to the repertoire of my ensemble. The first Desert Island disc that you picked was, uh, was by Bill Evans. Mm -hmm. and this is a portrait in jazz. Right. Why this one? Well, you know, basically it's really the trio of uh, Bill Evans, Scott LaFaro, and Paul Motion. Uh, and as in all the different recordings that I picked for this Desert Island um, fantasy or whatever, <laughs> uh, was not so much just the one record, but the, the ensemble, the band and how they played together, communication, the, the expressive interplay between the musicians. This particular record, Portraits in Jazz, and that period of the Bill Evans trio with Paul and Scott was some of the most creative uh, music recorded this century. Here's the Bill Evans trio in Witchcraft. Trio and Witchcraft from December of 1959, and that's from the uh, Portrait and Jazz mm. CD that's uh, that's out now, and that's a, a pick by Joe Lovano. You talked about uh, melody earlier, and when I think of Bill Evans, I think of uh, a melody right away. Oh yeah, you hear his tone, you know, you hear his sound, uh, his his voicings, and and uh, again the interplay of the musicians. Uh, was the key element it was it was dialogue you know uh, i had a chance to sit in with bill evans once at the village vanguard uh, the year before he passed and it was right at the time that i joined the paul motion band 1980 and uh it was a big turning point for me as far as uh, stepping deeper into what it means to improvise and not just play a solo but to create a solo within the context of the musicians you're playing with at the moment. And uh, I just learned a lot listening to Bill Evans through the years, but uh, meeting him and having a chance to sit in with him on a couple tunes has really turned me around. What's the next disc? Uh, this is from the Miles Davis classic uh, album, Kind of Blue. And again, it's the band and the period uh, of Miles Davis. Uh, all the different periods of Miles were really some of my most uh, remembered music growing up. You know, I think like Miles's music really was a strong foundation in my development as far as not only the tunes, the band, you know, the different bands, the interplay, the, uh, the way the music took shape from the different personalities.
Miles Davis from Kind of Blue, and that was uh, So What, another pick by, uh, by Joe Lovano. That song has pretty much become a, a jazz standard. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But nobody plays that intro like that. that I think that was a Gil Evans uh, introduction. That version for me is, is, uh, is one of the deepest versions, I think. Just the tempo and the sound and the space between all the, all the parts. Did you ever hang with him? Did you ever meet him? Uh, Miles? Yeah. I met Miles a couple different times and never really hung with him, no. But uh, when he first came back on the scene after a little retirement, uh, I guess it was in the early 80s, uh, we were playing at the Village Vanguard with the Mel Lewis Jazz Orchestra this one f week when he first came back. And he was going around to all the clubs. And he came down three nights that week to hear the band. And sat, and he sat on the couch alongside the between the trumpets and trombones section uh, while we were playing. Tom Harrell was standing, standing right next to him when he was sitting Tom's there. a trumpet player, right? Yeah, you know. And Miles was, uh, he was digging the band. And actually, that's when he first heard Kenny Garrett, because Kenny Garrett was playing alto in the band at that time. I think it was '81 or '82, somewhere around there. When you're at home. Are you what? What kind of guy are you? On the, are you on the net? Do you have a computer? I'm not so much into the computer yet. No, I mean we kind of use it for business a little bit, you know. Um, but uh, no, I'm I'm trying to get myself together on my horn and study music. And and um, in a way, I, I do a lot of writing, composition-wise, on my instrument, you know, on the saxophone, and I use the drums and the piano and things. Uh, to organize myself a little bit, but I really use my horn and try to develop myself on, on my instrument. And I've taught myself how to do that through the years, you know? So, um, what about movies? Do you watch movies? Um, occasionally, yeah, I like some older movies and stuff, you know? I'm not a total TV. So, you're not the kind of guy that will go out on the maniac. road and program the VCR to tape shows while you're no. gone? No. Mm mm. We have a VCR. I hardly use it. You know, it's funny. It's probably to watch tapes of Sonny Rollins playing. Or there something. you go. And this is that's a good segue into this next tune. This is uh, this is from the uh, the Vanguard album. I think it was a Night at the Village Vanguard. A Night at the Village Vanguard with Sonny Rollins, uh, Wilbur Ware, and uh, Elvin Jones. Pete LaRocca is on some of this recording as well on drums. And uh, again, Sonny's whole career, man, has been just amazing to uh, to explore for us as listeners, you know. Now, as musicians and, and trying to study and trying to learn uh, the things that he played and the, study the tunes that he played on, that's another story. But just, just the, to dig the feeling and the, the expressive music that Sonny's been involved with from the beginning, you know. Sonny's a uh, serious inspiration for me. The Tower of Power. Anything that we should uh, listen for in this tune? Uh, well, the communication again between the trio, within the trio. But uh, you know, Sonny's uh, he's a com completely always rewriting and, and uh, rediscovering what he's playing at the moment you know so he's reworking things all the time so it's 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 great to listen to him uh on each tune uh develop his solos 
you know i mean he's not a repeater at all he's like completely he starts with one phrase and he builds on it and just um develops his ideas as he's playing so it's beautiful to follow him all right this is from the the fall of 1957 a night at the village vanguard here's sonny rollins in a night in tunisia Sonny Rollins and A Night in Tunisia. I'm Ross Porter. You're listening to Stranded, CDs for a Desert Island. My guest is Joe Lovano. So far, his picks have been Bill Evans' Portrait in Jazz, Kind of Blue by Miles Davis, and Sonny Rollins, Live at the Village Vanguard. Now, when we talked, we realized all these albums were recorded in the late 50s within two years of one another. It's funny. Those were some of the records that I just grew up with, you know, and it's some things that... uh that I always go back to and, and I hear different every time, you know? I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's you know, it, it's, it's not only those years, but it's those players that came up in that generation, you know, that period. And uh, my dad was from that generation. My dad was born in 1925, and that was his, those were his uh, peers in a way. That was his generation, you know? And the music he played and, and uh, that I learned from as a kid was from that time, and it's just really stayed very close to me. And through the years, through the development in jazz, uh, that period is a high standard to reach for, as far as being an individual, because none of the, none of those cats from that time sounded like each other. They each stood on their own two feet and really played with their own personalities. Uh, and I really learned a lot from that. When did your dad pass away? He passed away in '87. So he had lots of opportunity to, uh, to hear you play. Oh, yeah, and we played together a lot. But he came to New York a bunch of times. He sat in at the Village Vanguard with the Mel Lewis band with us. And uh, he he heard me sit in with Archie Shep and play with Elvin and um, with Woody's band. So he heard me in a lot of settings, you know. He, he didn't uh, see me develop as a leader uh, like in the last five and eight years, you know, 10 years since he's passed, you know, uh, with Blue Note Records and all these projects that I've produced and created. But he set me on the way to do that, and he had the confidence and, and uh, felt that I would do that. You know? I suspect this next one, this is one of your records. I think this is a record that he would have been very proud of. Uh, yeah, this is from Live at the Village Vanguard that I did. Uh, and it was a double CD, a double release with two different quartets that we recorded within, a, I think, an eight-month period. Uh, and in a way, two bands that I was working with at the time, a, a quartet that featured Tom Harrell, Anthony Cox, and Billy Hart, uh, which we played here at the Montreal Festival that same year, I think in 94, something like that. Was it, was it symbolic for you recording at the Vanguard? Oh, for sure, definitely. And, and uh, you know, just playing at the Vanguard. I joined the Mel Lewis Band in 1980 and played the, every Monday night at the Village Vanguard uh, since then. 
you know, uh, until about 91 or so when I left the big band. But I started playing there as a leader right at that time and presenting my own groups, you know. So uh, it's it's always been like a home in New York for me, musically. Uh, but it was real symbolic to record live there under my own name um, after all the great records that had been recorded there through the years, you know, of Coltrane's and, and Sonny's and uh, this is a club Joe Henderson. What, 50 years old? You know, it's, uh, old, it's in its 60-something year right now. This is Joe Lovano, recorded live at the Village Vanguard, and this is a piece by Charles Mingus. This is Duke Ellington, Sound of Love. Monk on piano, and that was Jacking, and that's from a, an album called Five by Five. Another one of those records from the latter part of the uh, the fifties. Yeah, this was a real great record with Thad Jones and Charlie Rouse together. One of the few quintet records uh, that Monk did, you know. And uh, I, I just just love the the sound of the band with Thad, and the communication, the the free kind of playing that Thad uh, brought into the group. Monk's music really gives you so much to feed from as a soloist because you're not only just playing the melodies and on the chord changes, you're playing off of a mood and a feeling and uh, some other mystical things that happen in jazz, you know, happen on their music, you know. And uh, I love feeding off of their compositions. Um, what's coming up for you? What do you, what do you want to be doing? Uh, well, you know, I want to be touring and playing the music that I've been recording, you know, and uh, not just to make a record and to then go out with my band, whatever that band is. I want to tour with the sound of some of these recordings that I'm making. So like the Celebrating Sinatra Ensemble, which features uh, four and six woodwinds, strings, voice, rhythm section. Uh, the whole essence of that project was to, to add to my repertoire for my ensemble so I could go out and play this music with people, you know? So we're touring right now with that sound. And uh, Is music your life? Um, yeah, I, w I would say... Your wife's a musician. Music is, is, uh, is one of the beautiful gifts of life, you know? And, and uh, I feel so honored to, to be out here... Um, exploring music you know it's a very magical mystical place to be you know is there a day that goes by when you don't touch your horse yeah sure when I'm not on tour there's 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 bunches of days where I'll just like um, get into to the outdoors you know nature and it turns me around and gets me inspired and and uh, feeds my whole imagination 
for yeah, to develop music, you know. And the thing is, is like, uh, but I, I wouldn't say there's a day that goes by that I'm not involved with music, though. You know, I'm feeling music and hearing music all the time, you know. But I don't. I'm at a point now where I don't have to. Uh, I don't have to just play every day. I don't have to like. Oh, I have to put my two, three hours in today. You know, I'm not like that. You know, but I'm always uh, feeling and tr and developing ideas. I think, even when I'm not playing my horn. Joe, thanks very much. This was uh, it was nice to uh, to talk to you. Thank you. I want to close with uh, with another one of your Desert Island picks, and it's rather appropriate, I think, that we finish the program uh, with this. This is John Coltrane, and it's a, a track from A Love Supreme. This is Acknowledgement Part One. Mm -hmm. 